This is the True North Collective podcast, a gathering of unsugarcoated conversations on authenticity, created by the real-life documentation of everyday humans fearlessly finding their true north. Welcome to season four of the podcast. Hi, I'm Janelle. My dog likes to hide under hotel beds. The worst feeling in the world is accidentally tugging on your nose ring, and I'm currently freezing in Nebraska. Hi, I'm Tina. I'm obsessed with the show Survivor, but I would never survive because I hate spiders. I travel for the love of food, and I miss that big time right now. My favorite snack is Lay's ketchup chips. Hi, I'm Rachel. I recently went for a walk in the rain and splashed in puddles like a small child. Raisins are making a comeback in my life, and I've been really into playing Rumi Cube with my parents. And we are your hosts of the True North Collective podcast. What is Rumi Cube? I know, I think I'm saying it wrong. (laughs) As I was saying it, I'm like, I'm pretty sure it might be Rumi Cube? Rumi Cube? I don't know. It's like the coolest game. It's so fun. It's these little tiles with numbers on them and you like pick 14 and it's almost like, like gin rummy, but not, it's so fun. So we've been playing it because I live, my parents are my roommates now. I call them my roommates. And so, so me and my roommates. Play them. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. All right, ever so- wanting to want to be in a relationship with me? <laughs> want to come play card? <laughs> want to come play with my roommates? Um, I'm sorry. Market that shit. I'm very close with my family. We love to play games. Like that's all marketable. People want it's that. how you storytell it for yeah, sure. For sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, I just have to say, Tina, your voice is just like so soothing. I was like, can you just read? I don't know, like anything, and just all fall asleep. It's beautiful. You know what? It's so funny that you say that because I literally was shaking. So I'm like, oh gosh, I hope that doesn't come through in my voice. No. <laughs> it was very calm. It was very so calm. calm. Like w- you could just read into my ear. Oh, amazing. I should put that on my resume. <laughs> you should. That also marketable skill. You could have a full side hustle doing that. There you go. Next. <laughs> we actually, I mean, we know somebody who does that. So let us know if you, if you really want to. Don't she have makes, me. She makes good money doing it. Okay. Lay's ketchup chips. Are those, is that a Canadian thing? Cause I know oh, I've yes. seen, I saw them in Canada. Yeah. Yeah. And you must try it. You can't knock it till you try it. <laughs> I you dip like, potato chips in actual ketchup. So I think that makes sense. Gross. <laughs> <laughs> Have you, you've never heard of it. Have you ever heard of them, Janelle? Ketchup chip, ketchup lace? Yeah, I think they have them here. You had? Okay, so maybe they do have them here. I just remember when I was in Canada, they they had so many flavors that I had never seen of lace before. I was like, what is happening? Like what like our chips. Like poutine, ham, cheeseburger. Um, What are some of the other ones? Like steak and steak and onions. Like there's like, have you heard of Swiss Chalet? It's a, it's a chicken brand here and they have Swiss Chalet <laughs> sauce. <laughs> so what? there are Swiss Chalet Lay's chips <laughs> seasonally. <laughs> That's so funny. Okay. I have an, I'm sorry. I'm just saying, I've like deep in thought about this now because I have an obsession with Sir Kensington Chipotle Oli or Mayo, depending on who you ask. It's, it's, it's actually problematic. Like I take scoops and I eat it by the spoonful. It's disgusting. And that would be a great Lay's 
potato chip flavor. So shout out whoever works at Lay's, make me some. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember when I was there, I used to, well, my ex-boyfriend and I used to like go to the grocery and be like, okay, who's going to find the new flavor? Because I think it was at the time when they were just starting to come out with them. So there's like always new ones. Um, yeah, it's fun. Yeah. And way back when they had contests. So the flavors actually came from submissions from their, from the fans. <laughs> wait, wait, like they off, they suggested this, the submissions. They didn't send them them, did they? So they sent it out to their, our community in Canada, the Lay's community to, uh, to ask for suggestions, flavor Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. In my yeah. head, it was, they created it in their kitchen and sent it in. Oh no. <laughs> And like Rachel's picturing me dipping like a lace yeah. potato chip in Sir Kensington and then mailing it. Clearly, that's not what they had people do. But in my head, that's what happened when you said that story. That's funny. All right, I'm I mash hear... up this cheeseburger and put. Okay, what? What? Is... Okay, so what about Survivor? Because I <sighs> love those competition reality TV shows too. Big fan. But do they face that many spiders? survivor or well there's bugs just bugs in general okay bugs in general that um and I just don't like spiders in the house and so I just put the two and two together that I would face spiders in the wilderness of survivor it's true you probably will are you afraid of moths moths um if they come into the house yes okay yeah I think I don't like them either yeah I think the theme is if anything comes into the house that shouldn't be in the house, I don't yeah. like it. Dude. Okay. I worked with a chick when I was in Vancouver and she used to work in somewhere in Australia. And she said, oh yeah, you have to be really careful in Australia because the boa constrictors will come into the house. Even if you're just like, she would be in her house and the screen would be closed. And she would, she came in one day and there was a boa constrictor in her living room. She had to call animal patrol because they'll, squeeze you that is horrifying terrifying i was having this conversation the other day with somebody and i don't know if this is normal did you guys like play with snakes all the time growing up like you'd go to school and they'd be like no here's a snake hold it (laughs) no i I don't know what childhood i had but seriously like i think every year we have what are they called herpivores is that what it is herbivores what do they call i think what is it called when you study snakes when you study snakes what's it called i literally don't know what you're talking about hold on well anyway the people that study snakes would come in and i'm googling this right now um and they would bring in these snakes to the school and we'd hold them and they're tarantulas too yeah yeah like tarantulas too but i I just remember remember there was like um huge like I, th- I don't know if it was a boa constrictor but it was big enough that it wrapped itself around my entire body yeah as like a little child and it just started squeezing they were like I get the snake off of her and I was all like this is fun and now I'm scared of snakes because they're scary when like rattlesnakes in California scare me well have you seen so. have you seen those memes where or the stories where snakes hide in toilets I think that's oh God. That's no. what I get. If that's what I'm afraid of, you, know, you just that's ruined a, my life. I just so ruined my life. Sorry, but in Australia too, I think it's a, a thing where you know those no. big spiders no. and and snakes and critter crawlies they hide in toilets, and so you kind of always have to. <gasps> in the 
before you take a seat. I'm, oh my God. So it is called a herpetologist is the people that study reptiles hmm. and snakes and stuff. Oh, there you go. Herpetology. But I, Tina, you just ruined my life. I can't. Or I might have saved it. someone that there was a snake that started coming out of her air vent in her car while she was driving (laughs) just like and this woman somehow still like kept her cool enough to pull to the side of the road and like get out of her car because I would have crashed was it like slithering down or out out like it was coming out Ah! of her air vent (laughs) this was it I, I don't know, oh, like, gosh. I think it was smaller because it had to fit through, like, the air bed, but still, oh like, could you imagine just driving, you're like, no, 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 holy shit, and a snake comes out of your air bed, like, I, I can't Where get that video she? out of my head. I think she was somewhere down south. Fuck. But then was also calm enough to videotape it. <laughs> and drive, how? Yeah, wait, that's no, true. I know, that's she has a point here. Well, no, so she didn't videotape it. Like she got, after she had pulled over, she took a video of it, but you didn't see it like coming out, but she described it. And then you could like see the snake, like half out the bed, just be like. (laughs) I mean, I know, oh, the sunset's very pretty here. Sorry, I got distracted. There, here in where I am, there is, so when I brought my RV here, my dad was like, okay, you can't just leave it because it has to go in the shop. And so I'm like leaving it somewhere. And he's like, you can't just leave it. We have to put like mouse radar. Um, oh my gosh, my brain is not working. But like, there's like mouse radars that stop them, that keep them away. Rodent repellers is what I'm trying to say. And then like, you have to put all of these like things in your car because the rodents will get in the cars. And I'd never heard of that, which is that I, I would have thought that that was that would have happened in the Midwest when I was there, but I don't know. Apparently, it happens here all the time. So yeah, this is this is like a not very great intro to a podcast, but you're just remind <laughs> you're reminding me of people's cats who curl up in cars like when it's what? cold in the winter. That's the only thing I always had to remember. Like outdoor cats, they crawl up in your engine, and if you start it, it's no good. I never heard that. It's so sad. So that took oh. a dark turn, but that's what you wrote at your belt and just right, so anyway. <laughs> anyway, let's introduce Tina. Yeah. Hey everyone, very excited to let you know that we have our first collective of 2021 coming up on February 18th. It is a Thursday at 7:30 Central Standard Time. This is our free monthly community event where we are fellow travelers with you and you get to hear from people from all around the world, all around the country, sharing their own experiences on their journey to find their own true north. This event is free. We're going to drop a link in the show notes. You can sign up for the event on Eventbrite and get all the links. And in February, we're going to be continuing our conversation around intention setting. If you've set an intention, if you haven't set an intention, what you've learned from your intention, has it changed? All of the above. We would love to see you there. Talk soon. Okay. Tina. I actually, 
don't know how to pronounce your last name. <laughs> on? On. 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 Like on. on, off. On, off. Okay, got it. <laughs> I'm so good friends with Tina that I can't even pronounce her last name. Um, okay, welcome to the podcast, Tina On. I'm so excited that you're here. Um, Tina is a store manager at Lululemon near Toronto, Ontario. She used to play very competitive soccer growing up and rescued a pup a few years ago named Lizzie. She has goals to become a coach for others um, with a specialty in holding space for discovery and exploration. And she's just a, like a people person. She loves her people. Um, she's always like, every time I talk to her, she's just so inspired by her team and the people that are around her, what lights them up. Um, and having those, those like aha light bulb moments is, is something that she is really, really amazing at. Um, she also feels everything. So she often feels life through her eyeballs. <laughs> she cries, laughs, all of it. Um, and myself personally, um, I met Tina last year in 2020 and, um, through our interactions together, she was just like a ray, a ray of light in like a pretty crazy year. Um, but not because she was trying to like force it to be anything just because she was so, so genuine that there was like that genuineness, um, just permeates her and, and allowed me to stay connected to my own genuineness in a time that was really tough. So I really appreciate your presence in my life and I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. Welcome. Welcome. So Tina, our first question is how are you living your true North today? Like, what does it look like for Tina to be living her true North? Oh, I mean, it's, thank you. First of all, <laughs> I just felt the urge to say that. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Um, what's really grounding me is the idea that I'm not going through the challenges and this year and last year alone. And what's um, really keeping me to my true north or guiding me to my true north is um, embracing it all and not shying away and, and avoiding the hard stuff. Yeah. yeah, I can relate to that. What has allowed you, do you think, to be able to open up to all of it? I mean, for one, I think saying yes to opportunities that are uncomfortable and um, which led me to, to you and our relationship over 2020 and being vocal and sharing about what's coming up, like just being vulnerable about it. Yeah. Beautiful. And you're doing it again today? I'm doing it and it's scary <laughs> <laughs> and, and I'm here. That's awesome though. That so many people don't show up for it. So the fact that you're here and you can acknowledge that it's scary and still show up is really cool. And as like a little bit of background, um, where kind of what some of your background or like what has gotten you to this this place where you've been able to be willing to show up and and open up and yeah. I mean, oh gosh, yeah, that's that's the question. What has gotten me here? <laughs> I, I think, I mean, for a few years, I was definitely 
in a place of resignment. Is that the word? I don't even know. I was resigned from um, being in choice and felt victim in a lot of situations, which truly like weighed heavy and was causing me to stay within myself. And I mean, that looked like watching TV all the time, eating snacks all the time, and it didn't feel good. And what got me here to this point was being ready to face those things and, and have that internal conversation with myself and with others in my life to identify like what was holding me back. I remember when we first met, there was that photo shoot that you were doing. And I, I mean, Janelle, you've been, I mean, you've kind of put yourself in front of the camera quite a bit, but I was a dancer. And so I did that, but it was never like me center. And I have had photos taken over the years. Um, some actually in the nude, which is like quite an experience. I highly recommend. Um, but it is, it's such a, um, to say yes to yourself is what that feels like. And I remember when in talking to you about that, um, that it was like a, a, it seemed like a pivotal moment. Um, what made you even think like, is that what you hoped to get out of that? Oh gosh. Yeah. I, I mean, I went into that photo shoot thinking let's put myself in an an uncomfortable situation. (laughs) I had won this like opportunity to, to shoot with a friend of mine three years ago. And it took me three years to actually book that appointment. Um, and, and do it and jump in with two feet. And I'm the type of person who's always in pictures with other people and to be in a picture and multiple pictures by myself and essentially see my soul. (laughs) It was the most empowering experience I've had in a long time. Yeah. I'm, and then I met Tina right around the time when she had just decided to do the photo shoot. And, um, I just remember at the time when she told me, like, I did this thing and I was just like, oh my gosh, I totally did that. Um, not the same, but in another way. And it's just interesting because I remember going through that process of like, I want to be photographed. Like it felt kind of like, look at me, look at me. Um, but it was, it, it was like a spirit, almost like a spiritual experience, um, And so as you have, as I've met you since then, it does, it's, I, it's hard for me to imagine you not doing those types of things because that's how I know you. Um, So yeah, that's why I was like, what got you to actually shift? Cause I can't imagine you not being that way. Yeah. I mean, for, that was the first time that I fought against my like limited beliefs around what would it look like if I did this photograph or like photo shoot and what would people think and just fought the, the judgment or the, the stories I had around judgment and other people. And I did something for me just because it was for me. Like that was that moment and the turning point where I'm going to just do things for me and not mm-hmm. caring what other people think. 
such a big deal. Um, <clears throat> talk about the anger therapist all the time in the podcast. Give him credit if I don't know if Tina, if you've ever heard of him, but um, he talks all the time about creating new experiences. And I, I, I've always been a pretty action based person. But to understand more of the psychology behind it of how they say, like, when you have limiting beliefs or when you are trying to make changes, like, I, like I'm going to say this and it's going to sound obvious, but it is the little, it's the actions that you take to, like, prove yourself wrong. And when it starts to be not about proving other people wrong, but literally, like, I don't think I can do that, but I'm going to try to do it anyway, that is what actually starts to change, change beliefs and like change people. And that was something very similar kind of to your story in 2020. I, I stopped watching um, TV, not completely, but I used to just binge watch TV and I used to drink a bottle of wine a night and I used to eat snacks and, and do all these things to avoid my feelings and like really starting to be present with myself with step one and then step two when I hit my 29th birthday, I, I joked and I did it very symbolically, but I went skydiving and it was just like, I'm just going to start jumping and doing all the things that I thought I couldn't do or the things that I was scared to do or the things that people told me wouldn't, like, you couldn't do that in your life or it wouldn't be possible or it's not logical or it's not safe or it's a stupid idea or it's not financially secure. And I was like, fuck it. I'm just going to start doing it all. I like seeing what happens and and go from there. And it's very, very relatable in that. Um, I'm curious after the photo shoot, like what happened after that, the beliefs started to change. Were there other actions or things that you did to continue down the path? Yeah. I mean, after the photo shoot, the next step was sharing the photo shoot with, with people in my life. Um, and that was also a, a big moment. Cause I felt like I was really vulnerable. Like it's, it's scary showing, um, a picture of just you feeling all the emotions like there, you know, I I'm crying and I'm laughing and all the things that they, they already see me as, and I never believed it. And so that was like the first step. <laughs> I'm like dying. Are these pictures on your social media? You're so beautiful. <laughs> they are. <laughs> they are. I, I'm about to look. I'm not being rude on my phone, but I'm, I'm a visual yeah. learner as well. And so I want to see them. <laughs> what was the most surprising thing that you heard from people? Like when you showed them, what was surprising to you that you didn't expect to hear? Or maybe there wasn't, I don't know. That's just my question. I mean, it wasn't a surprise, but everyone was like, yes, that's so you. Yes, that's so authentic. Yes, that's how I see you. And it wasn't a surprise that, that they thought that of me. It was a surprise that I thought that of me, if that makes sense. Totally. Broke up with my boyfriend of seven years, like, uh what date is it? I don't know. Almost two months ago, I guess. That's crazy. Um, and I've been really focusing on amongst a lot of things because I've moved and all that, but really choosing myself and getting to know myself and to be fully transparent. Um, one of the aspects is like my own sexuality and just getting to know like me and like what feels good and 
like, what does it look like and how does it respond and how do I respond? And do I like my ears getting played with or, you know, like just everything. And, and honestly, like taking photos of myself naked and like looking at myself. And at first I was like, God, you are cringeworthy. Like, this is like, if anyone knew you were doing this, like, what are you doing? And then I started seeing myself and it wasn't that what I saw was like, oh my God, she's so hot. Although I did think to myself, oh my God, you are actually really hot. Like I was like, damn. But it was like, I just started to see me totally differently. Um, And I don't know if it's just at this point in my life, I'm really trying to like, I've sought external validation from partners and I've sought um, approval from just in like subtle and not so subtle ways, I've kind of like put blinders on my own ability to see what other people could see in me. And, um, I don't, I'm like starting, I'm seeing myself, like I will catch my reflection in the mirror and be like, I, Oh my God, I love you. Like, I love you. Or like, I don't know, like there was a photo, I'm sorry, I'm kind of going down a little bit of a rabbit hole, but I'm feeling it. Like there was a photo that I took and I had like a dimply butt, which everybody has. But I was like, oh my God, it's like the cutest dimply butt. Like I just want to squeeze it. And then I was like, I can squeeze it. Like it was just, I don't know. I'm just very in it. And it's my birthday on Friday. And I'm like, kind of, I'm telling people like celebrate me. And I've written some descriptions for things for the podcast on about myself and to like write about me through the eyes of how I see our guests and to hear what comes up for me has been like a profound experience. So I don't know, that was a really long-winded relatability of like seeing me through the loving eyes that I see other people. Yeah, well, I, I mean, it resonates with me for big time. I even to this day have a hard time with mirrors and, um, I know that's something we've chatted about in the past, but just like looking at myself in the mirror and not at a profile. And my, my habit is to look at myself at a profile and judge and, and, you know, have these negative thoughts. And I've had to really work on accepting like what I look like and all the, all the facets of, of facets of myself for me, not for other people. And it just goes back to like doing things for me and and acceptance and yeah, it's, it's work. What does that look like in practice for you then? Not, not turning at a profile. That's my practice is looking at myself straight on and saying my mantra right now is I am and that keeps coming up in my sweat at work when I look in the mirror is just I am and that's what I tell myself when I look at the mirror straight on right now I've been what do you do Janelle and then I'm gonna share what I do to defeat some of those yeah. Like, or to love my body more. Um, we've talked about it in the podcast. I, my body journey, in some ways, I feel like it's hard for me to remember because I've done so much work on it. Like, that's really when we first started the podcast and 
I was stepping into this world. I think for a lot of people, that was my gateway and my my entryway into building a better relationship with myself was first getting rid of a lot of the negative thoughts and the idea that I had to change my body to be more appealing. Um, so I would, that's actually a really good question of how in practice, like it's so small. I think it was just like small things every day. Like if I would catch myself wanting to change something about myself, like I would kind of just try to disrupt that thought. I spent a lot of time changing my social media habits and what I was exposing myself to, which we talked about on the podcast, like rather than being and being in the fitness world too, where it's like, I'd be following all these like fitness influencers that were creating these workouts and I'd be getting ideas from their workouts. But then at the same time, I'd be exposed to these bodies that were different than mine. And also from a society standpoint, more quote unquote ideal. And so I really started to unfollow a lot of those accounts because I used to try to want to achieve a body type that would never be my own. And I started following people that had body types that were similar to mine or just like different than what I was exposed to. Um, You know, like not what you would see on the cover of fitness magazine or something like that. Um, But like women who were really confident and comfortable in their body. And I've shared this before, but even going to cycling studios and like seeing women of all different shapes and sizes is just like working out in a sports bra and looking with rather than judgment looking and being like why is that woman who again and this is like all societal stuff and and narratives that has a body type that isn't what I would see on a magazine or whatever she's out there rocking you know the cycling class in a sports bra you know in in my perspective as an outsider completely confident and yet here I am and like I'm afraid to take my shirt off in a cycling class because I think I'm gonna look fat like you know it's like just trying to like check my belief system and my judgment. And then as I started to like have, I don't know if even compassion is the right word, but maybe just like acceptance for all these other people's bodies that in turn helped me be like, why can't I have acceptance for my own? So also very long-winded, but it's like many, many, many layers. And now like, I like to walk around naked and I don't know, I look in the mirror a lot and I'll like compliment myself. All, all of the above. Like I, I feel like I'm actually in a really healthy place with my body, but also um, because I spent a lot of time, like we had mentioned before, like getting in a healthier place with my mind and my habits and like just taking better care of myself in general. And I think that's also reflected like in my physical appearance too, because I'm not trying to numb out and my body, like I, I make decisions now to be taking care of myself versus before I would be running away from myself or I'd be doing it for other people. Long. <laughs> but a it's journey. A, it's an interesting, like, how does one get to like, because I'm trying to think for myself, like, I, I don't know, like a few months ago, um, I don't know if I would have seen, I don't know. I don't know. I have this like feeling for myself when I see myself now of just like, genuine just like like how I feel like I feel about people in my life that I love I'm like feeling that towards myself and I see myself I'm like oh my god I just want to squeeze your face and like kiss you and hug you and hold you and like 
where did that come from? Like, how did that all, was it my like intention coupled with strong conviction and sincerity of like the small habit changes or my choice? You know, I do like a, a body love scan where like once a day now I'll say like, I love you feet. And I'll like touch them or hold them or wiggle them. And I go up the body to all the different parts that I feel like, um, or if I'm just feeling like shit someday, like I'll just do that. Like, I love you hands. I love you fingers. And just like really take my time. And I don't know. I, I like it, it is, it's a slow build over time until it, it was literally today that I actually felt that way about myself. I saw my dimply butt and was just like, Oh my God, the cutest thing ever. And I never used to feel that way. And so, um, and then I think like, um, I don't know if y'all follow Meg Boggs and, um, Mick Zazan, Zazan, Zizan, I'll put them in the show notes, but just people who are willing to show that, um, different body types are, it's not about a certain size that means anything. It's like, if, I don't know. I just, that is help, so helpful to just remember, like, what's the narrative that I'm allowing myself to be ruled by right now? And is there actually any truth to that? Or am I just like blindly following it because I've blindly followed it before and I feel like shit. <laughs> you know what also saying this is me living from the external world, but in a positive way, when I started to explore my sexuality like a little bit more too and just like being with different people and the things that I had shame around in my own body like other people were totally chill with or like really into. And again, like I know we talk about the podcast, it's like, we don't want to come from external points of validation, but for me, that did help. It was just like, it, it helped me realize that the stories that were inside of me were actually false narratives. Like we were talking about before. And it's just like, no, like people are into all this. And why am I shitting on myself for it? When literally this person either has put zero thought into it or actually maybe even really likes it, but I feel like no, like no one's shitting on it except for me. And I think also starting to realize that, like, and just having that experience with other people and being like, oh, like people think I'm hot. Why don't I think I'm hot? <laughs> you know, that helped me too. So let's kind of parlay that because it's a similar idea into your like athletic journey. Um, because I know that's been a big part too in like learning how to do things for you. Um, so talk a little bit about that journey. Yeah. So, you know, growing up starting from I don't know, grade one, so six years old up until graduating high school, I, I played very competitive soccer and to the point where, you know, going to the States and exploring colleges and seeing what it would look like, um, post high school, that's, that's the, com the competitive um, mindset I was in. And what, what I've realized really recently is that it had created this, um, attachment that I had with sweat and exercise and being fit to pleasing others. And when I say that is in the sense of my coach, in the sense of scouts, um, to get to a like an end result and to be acknowledged. Did you, at the time when that was happening, did you 
I mean, you were still enjoying the sport, right? Yeah. Or were you not? Yeah, you were. Loved it. And when I got to university, I was able to continue to pursue and being in university, I was exposed to so many other things that life offered, like, you know, building relationships and, you know, first year support people, like we call it softs. Um, but first year orientation, (laughs) um, people leaders. And I was, I was exposed to things that I didn't have the opportunity to experience when I was in such a competitive place of soccer that, it, it, it not erased, but it overrode my love for the game. And then when it was coupled, well, I guess I'll ask you what, at what point did you start to realize, like, I am playing this for somebody else, not me. Yeah. I mean, it was in grade 12 when we were going through, um, decision makings. And when I say we, it's like me and my parents and we were going through, um, making a decision on where I was going to end up that experience and that process was when I decided that this wasn't for me anymore. And in that moment, I actually chose not to go to the States and I chose to stay in Canada. Um, and that was the first time I, I, I went against the grain. I went against um, someone's wishes. Did they support you? Yes. And. <laughs> I mean, yes. I don't know. <laughs> yes. Felt very supported. Um, and also felt like when there were opportunities um, within my school at Canada, I went to Western in London, Ontario. So, you know, when I was trying out for the soccer team there or played not competitive, but we call it, um, like powder puff. I don't know if you, you call it that they're like women's flag football. (laughs) They jumped on the opportunity to like attend games and, and support. So that like want, um, that like want from my parents to see me in that space and in that light never went away. I'm curious when you were finishing up school and you made the decision not to pursue it, was there, was it like a pretty quick decision? Was there build up to it? Were you kind of in the back of your mind, maybe knew it wasn't right for you? Like what did that process look like? And what was the emotional experience around getting from maybe the seed being planted of, I'm not sure if this is for me to actually vocalizing and standing in the decision. Yeah. I mean, what I remember the, and the, the, the biggest memory that I have is how I felt throughout the whole process. And I was fighting the urge of dis of disappointing people and kept everything in on, you know, what I didn't want and what I did want and didn't actually share it. I think it was months into the process. Like when you go through the scholarship competitive sport process, it's years and, you know, you invest a lot of time, you invest a lot of money. And so a lot of that pressure of not going to a school in the States for soccer I felt everything and I was devastated until I cracked essentially. (laughs) Like it literally took me 
like, like breaking down, crying, feeling all the things, um, to really be able to speak my truth. And even in that moment, I didn't vocalize it. My parents were like, tell me, tell us what's up. Like, why is it bothering you? And, and they really had to pull it out of me because I was afraid of disappointing my coach, my parents, people who invested their time and money into me throughout that process. So I'm going to ask a question. And if you don't have an answer, because I would, could not think back to my high school years and think I had this awareness, but do you remember what it felt like in your body? Like other than crying, like when you were in that disalignment, I think that's a word disalignment. Do you remember like how it was showing itself in your body, not just in your brain? Um, I mean, not really, but what I can imagine and what feels true is that I was like nauseous because it was like, I was holding so much in and it just felt like heavy and sick and something was needing to be released. I think it's so fascinating the idea that sometimes what we're really good at and what seems like is our thing isn't. And I can definitely relate to, to that of like, I should be enjoying this more than I am. I should like my brother and I actually used to talk about this a lot because he's super good at sports and like really good at baseball. And like they, they wanted him to like play and like he hated it. And I think he enjoyed the sport and like enjoyed being athletic and enjoyed the camaraderie of it, but, but he didn't really enjoy the game. And, um, and, and, you know, in my own ways, there have been things in my life where I'm just really good at something, but I'm like, I don't want to do that. And before I had found coaching, which feels like dancing felt like my thing. And then there was like a period of time in there where I was just like, I don't know, I'm really good at this stuff. So I'm doing it, but I don't really know. It was like, I didn't have anything else to lean onto that felt like I was decent at it enough to keep learning or that, and that I liked it. And so I felt kind of lost in there. So like the ability to have something that you were clearly good at and, and, and to choose, like, I'm going to say no to it maybe without having something else. And I don't know that I might be projecting that onto you. Um, I, I would imagine that that's like a confusing thing. I feel like that's a really good point, even as we talk about our adult lives, because people get that way in their careers too. I mean, sport, a sport can obviously be a career, but I think a lot of us, it's like, I've been doing this for a long time, or even there's stuff. If I look at my own life, I'm really good at operations and like task management and things like that, which yes, it serves me and it's a necessary part of most jobs, but because I'm good at it, I think a lot of times I'll default and Rachel, you and I just had this conversation, but like I'll default to it. Cause I'm like, whatever, I'm good at it. I can handle it, but I don't necessarily like it. It doesn't light my soul on fire. Whereas there's this creative side of me that I've always wanted to explore that I mean, I'll like pat myself on the back and not talk down to myself. Like I do think I'm a creative person and I can do creative things, but I haven't spent the time to hone that skill set. So when I think about like applying for 
a job or having a career that leans into more of my creative side, a lot of people it's like, well, what are you really good at? And it's like, well, I don't know if I'm actually that good at like creativity in a career sense, but I know that really excites me. And that, I mean, there's many bullshit. layers to that too. I'm calling bullshit on that. On what? That you aren't creative in a professional sense. Well, okay. I think I am, but I like, I, this is like limiting beliefs, right? That I don't like, I don't know. I'm like, when I think of a creative career, it's like a graphic designer or something. And like, I've very much done the like business spreadsheet accounting, like that is the comfort zone in my career. But what I really want to be doing is creative stuff. Actually, you'll appreciate that. This is like a complete segue, kind of what I'm saying, but I found something today before I left my parents' house and it was from like a senior photography sheet that was like introducing me and my work. And it said, Janelle Reesner is a senior at Waukesha West High School and she's going to go to college for radio broadcasting. And I was like, why the fuck didn't I do that? (laughs) That's like what I wanted to do. Like I'm still interested in that. And so I like similarly like and relatable to just talking about your senior year of high school. It's like, when did I just decide that that wasn't something I was going to do. And I don't regret my business degree, but like I went for the very safe, like secure, like get a business degree and take accounting classes. And um, now I feel like I've completely segued off of my, my point, but I, I think when people are looking at careers or what they want to do with their life and people are just like, well, what are you naturally good at? It's like, yes. And like, have you given yourself the chance to hone skills and really build them or have you always shut that part of yourself down and you just don't think you're good at it because you've never really given yourself the shot to maybe try something other than soccer or business and Excel spreadsheets and admin tasks? I mean, what's coming up for me there though, is that I think being good at something gives us comfort and that is, you know, why in the career mindset, like it's comfortable to go to the place that you're good at. And it's scary to, to look for and explore things that you're interested in and that light you up, but you're actually not good at it. And that's, that's where the like conundrum is. Yes, it is. As someone who's applying for jobs and trying to make a segue in my career too, I'm like, why the hell would someone hired me and then like and I I know why but like to a segue like I'm trying to do like podcast producing as a career and just like hey I edit this podcast want to check it out and just like feeling yeah it's like I don't have 10 years in radio broadcasting so it how we've set things up which makes sense but it kind of like devalues taking the risk too so I'm trying to rethink of like how do I continue to hone my skills and not be blocked by those barriers? Not only the fear that I have around it, but also like a job description that says 10 plus years or other barriers that pop up and you're like, Ooh, I don't have that. Never mind. Just kidding. Go back to the six five street. Like, okay, bye. What's stopping you from getting whatever you need to be able to become a radio broadcaster? Trying. What do you mean? Uh, I mean, in the simplest form, I've just never given myself a fair shot, which I think is kind of what I'm saying. Like if you, I think if, 
I actually truly believe like if you really, really, really want something and we can go into like essence versus form, which we talk about in essence, I think you can get that. Like if there are, I've been going on this manifestation journey and they talk about manifesting things and they say, you know, you can't manifest like a specific thing. Like if there's just like one of something in the world, like, no, you can't, you know, you can't control the world that much, but if there is like an abundance of something, which most things there are, like for example, a podcast producing job, I can't manifest like, I wanna work this exact job and they're only ever gonna hire like one person ever, which isn't true. But like, if there are multiple podcasting producing jobs or a company is growing, like, I truly think if you try hard enough and you're intentional and you really go for it, like, I think you can get what you want, but, it takes patience. It takes tenacity. It takes resilience. It takes so many other things. It takes, yeah, get, like unblocking yourself to be able to get there. And I, this is a long way of answering your question, but I haven't done the work yet. Or you just already fucking, doing it. Or you just fucking do it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. And you, exactly. And I'm already kind of doing it, right? Like I'm finding a different way because that's one path to be a podcast producer is to apply to work for a company. Another path is to start your own fucking podcast. Like we have <laughs> technically I'm a podcast producer, but you know, it's like different paths and figuring, you know, figuring all things out. Our second authenticity workshop is coming up on March 4th. That is a Thursday at 7.30 Central Standard Time. And it is all on acknowledging your messy true north, a workshop on contrast. The world is full of extremes, both outside and within us. And it can definitely be easy to think that we have to be either this or that, pick a side, make a choice, that very black and white thinking. But what if life is about embracing all of it? This workshop invites each of us to hold our own contrast within our hands and to be able to open ourselves up to the possibility of how these seemingly opposing elements can coexist. We would love to have you join us to drop in. It's $15 per workshop. We'll include a link to our event bright in the show notes. And we are still offering that $99 for the year of workshops that would be including this one and nine more after that. So still a really great deal and more affordable than dropping in for $15. DM us or email us for more information on how you can purchase that. All right, let's jump back into the podcast. That's enough about me. I feel like we're talking no, about it's just, the, reason, the reason I asked is because I listened to a podcast this morning with um, Jonathan Van Ness. I freaking love him. And he was talking to this woman who um, is a Holocaust survivor. She was at Auschwitz named Dr. Uh, Edith Egger, I think. Um, And she was talking about how she ended up getting into psychology when she was in her like fifties. And when she finished the program that she was in, the, one of her mentors said, okay, in order for you to be really like, you really should go to and get your master's degree. And she was like, I'm in my fifties. Like, if I don't, if I do that, I'm going to be like fucking so old like, I'm not going to do that. And he was just like, I, I don't, I'm not going to say how she, I'm not going to say it well, how she said it, but she basically was just like, age is just a number. So I could either tell myself, oh, I'm too old for this now. So I missed my window, but like, 
now she has the master's degree. She's 92. She's been able to fruitfully use that degree for 30 years. <laughs> you know, it's just like interesting how we, we, you know, I, we make excuses for things that we want to make excuses for. And, um, and that it actually, I don't know, it's, it's actually right there if we just do it. And I'm talking to myself too, with my own stuff, but I thought that was interesting. So limiting beliefs goes back to what Tuna said. It's like, we all have them and they are like, sometimes I think that's the biggest roadblock. Like that is actually what's stopping most of us is just ourselves. Like get out of your own way, which is way easier said than done. Which is also, I think I, lately for me, it's been about action. Like I can want, I can have the beliefs, I can have all of the things, the mental processes, but if I don't get up and make the damn bed, and take the shower and take the habits, do the things that are going to, you know, take the step in the direction that I want. It's like all that stuff is like, great. Um, I don't know. I think there's a quote out there that's like, you know, if you're just constantly working on yourself, but not actually living, like, then what's the freaking point? And it kind of reminds me of that a little bit too, of that dance of like working on self Um, But the action piece, which if you would have talked to me three years ago, I would have been like, like being, being, being is where it's at. And now that I've spent quite a bit of time leaning into the being, I, I mean, the action is hundred percent. Like there, there can be a cavernous gap between me having all my shit together, knowing the right belief and desire. But if I am not going to take the step towards it, then it's like, almost a moot point. So I don't know, I've just been playing with that lately. Well, what scares me more is like, yeah, what if I do get that job or yeah, what if it does work out? That actually freaks me out a little bit. <laughs> Being in action I actually might get what I want and then what? Totally. Talk to me more about that. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Like my body is like working up and (laughs) I'm like feeling it all. Um, but I've, you know, I have, as the intro shared, like I've been working towards being a coach and, um, I know in my heart, that's what I want to do. And I've taken the steps to progress to that point at some point in my life. And it really scares me to when it will happen that I, will feel very responsible to create incredible spaces. And then it's me putting pressure on me having to do that. Totally the pressure, man. I totally get that. And then now you care because you're like, so now your heart, like more is invested in it. Um, I can totally relate to that. I, I don't know if you ever do this exercise sometimes when I feel that way and if you want to play along, we can play the podcast and do it, but I'll ask myself, what's the worst thing that could happen? And just try to imagine, this is kind of morbid, but like I try to imagine it happening and I will feel what I need to feel around it. Like if it's me falling on my face and completely failing, like I will just put myself in that space of like, what would it look like if I completely failed? How would it feel? And would I be okay? Or if it's, 
a relationship and like what would it feel like for that relationship to end and to be tremendously sad and to feel rejected and I'll just like let myself go there and then I can also pause and then say but you'll still be okay I don't know if you ever do that it's radical acceptance right there baby (sighs) it's tough so Tina what would it look like if you want to play for it to all go wrong and what would happen afterwards. I mean, I think that, well, this doesn't answer your question at all, but (laughs) I think that what I'm afraid of is, you know, the judgment I have on myself in it not being what I think it's going to be. If that makes any sense. (laughs) Yeah. It's like the gap between the fear of the gap between who you want to be and where you think you'll actually be able to perform. There's an Ira Glass quote that I'm going to send you that we talked about in one of the earlier seasons. And when I was first starting coaching a very young kid in his twenties, sent it to me and it basically addressed that. And it was the idea that, um, one of the big struggles with creatives, with anyone creating anything is that you show up wanting having an idea in your head, like you have taste, you know, what's good, but when you first go to do it, you're not there. Like you haven't honed the craft yet. And so you show up and what shows up on the pages shit. And you're, then you're like, there's this such a a, a cognitive dissonance there. And it's his thing is like, just keep going, keep going, keep going. That's part of the process. And a lot of people fall away because they don't want to experience it. No one says that's how you get to the point where you, you know, where it matches. Um, so I'll send it to you because it's a really good one. Yeah, I love that. And I mean, Janelle, I think to answer your question, I think the worst thing that could happen is I get there and I don't like it and it's not actually what I want. I think that's the worst. What makes it the worst? I think the thought of, you know, all the energy expelled and the work that I put into it and, you know, getting to that point and, and imagining what it would be like and, and, and knowing what it would feel like and then getting there and it doesn't feel that way. <laughs> I think I would just be more disappointed in myself for not knowing better. Ooh, one of my least favorite, favorite phrases to use should have known better, which is never <laughs> true. Rachel and I were just talking on the phone today about that and because I have felt that in many things it's like the feeling that you've wasted time or that you didn't know something that you should have known but it's like how do you know unless you try unless like you go through the experience and you experience it fully and we were even talking about the idea that like sometimes we we try the same things and like we make the same quote unquote mistakes. Um, and I've been doing, like I said, like a lot of um, manifestation work for this group called to be, to be, to be magnetic. And the woman shares the analogy of running into the fire and it's been very like permission giving and has brought a lot of acceptance for me where when people submit questions to her and they say like, well, I, I think I want to do this thing, but I think I know better than to do it, but I like still kind of want to do it. And I'm being called to do it. And she's like, fucking run into the fire, run into the fire and do it. 
And if it's not right for you, get burned so badly and experience what it feels like to be in that fire getting burned that at some point you will come out of that fire and you will say, I can never do that to myself again. And it's a little bit different because in this case, you're not running into the fire into something maybe that you think is bad for you. But I think it is permission giving in the sense that if you go through this path and you take all this time, like what the worst thing that's going to happen is you learned something and now you get to go learn something else. You know, like, I mean, in a very like nicer way, that's a very simple way to say it, but um because I struggle with that all the time, like feeling like there's some sort of like ticking time clock that I'm just getting everything wrong and I'm just wasting my life, which isn't true, but I feel it. (laughs) Well, I relate it to like dating. It's like, if you don't date people, you'll never know what you don't want in a partner. And that feels like really real to me. So why can't I apply that to like, dreams and goals within maybe my career or yeah so interesting that's such a good analogy because it is true like we let we were like dating's fine right I mean for the most part there's things we could talk about dating too but I like it's fine to like date a bunch of people but we're not like it's fine to have a bunch of these different jobs that aren't related and we just try on a different hat and we do this we're like oh no no that's a non-linear career path no Mm-mm. oh you only stayed at that job for six months because you didn't like it well that's a tick against you Well, and like then to bring it back to the dating world, it's like, I know that some people marry their high school sweethearts, but for shit's sake, if I was having to be with the person, the people that I was attracted to in high school for the rest of my life, like I'm so different now. So like, yeah, it's, why is that different? Why do we look at that differently? It's interesting. Um, Okay. I want to just circle back to the original intention of the conversation, which I love that it went all the places that it did, was around you really recognizing that you didn't love sweating because it had this like, it was for everyone else. And like, all of a sudden that shifted for you. And I'd love to just hear your experience of that and where you're at with it now and what it was like to kind of recognize I'm doing this for external reasons, what happened then. And then how, how you got to where you are today? Uh, yeah, great question. I mean, I think it ties back to um, what we were chatting about before regarding my photo shoot. Like I truly think 2020 was all about me letting go and clearing all of the stuff that was um, holding me back. And I was creating excuses for X, Y, and Z. Um, and sweat was mirroring that. And so through my journey, what I discovered over the last, you know, few months, I was sweating to, you know, fix my appearance, or I was sweating because I work at Lululemon and that's the thing we should be doing. And there was so many external factors to why I was exercising. And, um, the idea around like a hundred sweaty sweats and, and, you know, challenges and, and stuff like that really put pressure on myself. And it put me into this place of like, I don't like it. I don't like exercising. I'm in this like heavy place. And when I did that photo shoot, I was able to like address seeing me for me. Um, And through the work over the last few months around like acceptance and, and self, like letting go of self-judgment, I have started to sweat recently and, and spin 
And that's been my like choice of sweat. And what I have felt in the last few months doing that, I have felt no pressure. I have felt like I'm having fun and I'm smiling through it. Um, and it really has mirrored my like journey with my mental and like my self-acceptance. That's what sweat means to me. Like when I'm sweating and when I'm loving it, it means I'm loving myself. And when I'm not sweating, I'm like not loving myself. I I love that mirror idea. And like, you know, maybe not the sweats are the mirror for everybody, but that a facet of your life can actually be an indicator of what's going on on the inside. And because I think sometimes it can be really daunting to be like, well, what's happening in there? Because we don't really spend a lot of time like checking in and, and answering those questions. It can kind of be like, I don't know. It just feels, uh, um, but to have one of the facets of life be a barometer check of what is happening inside is like kind of a cool hack, um, into seeing and getting insights for yourself on like, if things are working or not working. I love that. It's like sleep. Like, I think that I, I consider sleep in the same, in the same way when I'm not sleeping, it means I'm overthinking about something. Um, and when that happens, it like triggers me to reflect and, and figure out what is causing that. It's such good awareness. I um, recently, like I've experienced quite a bit of anxiety just throughout my life in general. And it's always been this like bad thing that I need to solve for. And I'm sure one of the many self-help things that I find myself in um, gave me this idea, but checking in with the body to realize that a lot of times when I'm anxious, it's normally because something in my life is not in alignment with me and what I want out of my life so rather than trying to get rid of the anxiety like similar like the the feeling it's actually just telling me something and I need to again yeah pause and reflect just like you said and figure out like not let's just try to hide the anxiety and like I don't know get rid of it sweep it out clean it off it's like figure out where it's coming from and actually take this like the time to get to know why my body is reacting in the way it is. And I've been able to do that better than I ever have before. And it's like the second I identify it and eliminate whatever it is, it's like the anxiety is immediately gone. It's pretty magical, which again, sounds like such a simple concept, but in the past I'd be like, oh, you're having anxiety, that's bad. I don't know, just like take a bubble bath, go nap, like just try to do whatever to get rid of the anxiety. And it's like, or, you know, take the time and it might take some time to figure it out, but like get curious as to why where it's coming from and address the source rather than, I mean, we could relate that to like our healthcare system, like rather than just, you know, taking an ibuprofen for the pain, we'll like actually figure out why I'm in pain. Um, so very similar to what you said. I um, recently, I've always had like the body part for me that is the most like, that I've had to work the hardest to love is my stomach. And um, I, when I, I care, when I am stressed out, I get very bloated and, uh, it's been historically embarrassing for me. And, um, I was, I, when I started, um, when I moved back home, um, I started getting bloated and I was like, what's happening, what's happening. And I started like, I'm just relating like, oh my gosh, totally what you said, Janelle, like, I was started hating on myself. I started being like, what's happening? Oh my gosh. How could, like, I was being so judgmental of the fact, instead of going, oh, sweetheart, 
you're bloated because what, what usually stress, like stress bloats you. And, and I, I don't, it's like, it was my body trying to communicate with me. It wasn't trying to be an asshole. <laughs> it wasn't trying to be like, I hate you. And we're going to now do the thing that makes you uncomfortable. Like it was like, Hey, pay attention. I'm, we can do better for ourselves. And, and like, well, thank God we've been in these conversations and for the last few years, because I was able to like catch myself after it was probably a few days. Um, and then I was just like, oh my gosh, I'm being really hard on myself right now. And really my body is just trying to tell me that it needs some love. And so I immediately, it was like, I, it, just like you said at the beginning, Janelle, it was like, instead of trying to force my body to change, I started loving on myself. And then naturally I stopped eating the things that I was just, I, I was like, I bought like eight bags of cookies or something and like ate them in a bag a day. It was insane. I was like, clearly you are stressed out and trying to not face something. But it was like, once I started paying attention to myself, like I didn't even feel the urge to, to use those tactics anymore. And, um, yeah, it is, it is interesting. All right. Like we, things are communicating to us. They're not trying to be, my body is not trying to be an asshole to me. (laughs) It's just trying to tell me something. Is there anything else about this um, that just feels like needs to be said around learning how to sweat for you, learning how to live for you? Yeah. I mean, the only, the thing that keeps coming up for me is like that feeling of guilt. And that's when I know that my body is telling me something. That's when I know I need to really just sit in this place and, and accept like, what is, what is happening? Um, because when I'm discovering it's, it's not judgment. It's when I feel guilty and when, when I feel like I'm disappointing myself, that's when sweat and the lack of motivation comes up. And then it's that vicious cycle. I, I mean, maybe I don't love that we're all experiencing negative emotions, but I love that we all just basically said the same thing, but it was tied to a different emotion, like, but similar, similar experience that our body kind of has its like default thing and we have a different word for it, but really it's this similar experience. And that the, the net, the quote unquote negative experience or, you know, default negative is, can actually be used I don't know when you neutralize it as like, oh, this is just a red flag. It's just like, it's a warning signal that my body is giving me, not that it's doing something wrong. Like that's a pretty cool way to actually look at it um, instead of just further hating on yourself. So yeah. Oh, this conversation is so juicy. Uh, Did you have something to say? I see yourself unmuting. Oh, sorry. Oh, all I, all I wanted to share was that, um, I definitely heard and felt the same thing, Janelle, that like we were all feeling the same experience and, and what that just grounds me in is like, I'm not alone. And in these moments when I, when I'm at my heaviest and my darkest, I feel like I'm alone and I can't get out of it. And this conversation just like reiterates, like, you're not alone people relate, ask for help, talk. (laughs) Um, and this really just like grounded that for me, reiterated it. Yeah. 
it is yeah the the vulnerability to share the more i've been sharing all the shit that i'm ashamed of or i don't like about myself or having these conversations the more i do realize also that i'm not alone and then it really doesn't seem like it's as heavy or as dark and it's just like oh i'm just a human having human experiences just like everybody else out there but thank you for saying that because I, I feel the same way and it's good to know that I'm not only al not alone in the experience of my anxiety and my emotions, but the appreciation for other people stepping up and, and wanting to have a conversation and being willing to be vulnerable and to share because it, to me, it's everything. Like, I, I don't know what I would be doing if people weren't willing to come play. Mic drop. So, Tina, in one word, how do you live your true north? Messy. Fuck yeah. That's a good, that's, yeah, that's a great one. That's such a good one. God, I love you. All right. And if people want to get in touch with you, connect with you, learn more about you, where shall they do that? Love Instagram. What's your handle? Oh, Tina on <laughs> underscore. Yes, A-H-N. <laughs> I've never been asked what your handle question. So I'm like, oh, it's gosh. called, right? I don't know. Yeah, it's handles. I was going to say, my question was going to be, how could people slide into your DMs? But whatever, you know. <laughs> Insta. Insta. Insta, hit me up. Followers. Like for follow. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, funny. oh gosh. Well, you thank you so great. much for yeah. opening up and sharing your life with us. It's been life-giving for both of us. So thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me and, and allowing me to share. <laughs> this has been another episode of the True North Collective podcast. For more from Rachel and I, check us out on the gram at the True North Collective underscore and make sure you're signed up for our mailing list. You can do that at thetruenorthcollective.org to stay up to date on all of our resources, tools, and upcoming events. We appreciate you being here with us. We'll see you next time.